You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning again. All right. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. Yes, absolutely. I always get in that problem of going, you too, and I'm talking to somebody who doesn't have fathers, so I forget, or doesn't have sons or daughters, so I was like, I get in trouble sometimes, but I'm flawed, if you guys haven't figured that out yet, all right. By the way, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Dan, I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm excited because uh, I get to share God's word with you, obviously, today, that's pretty exciting, but also, I'm thinking ahead, a month from now, we are going to be on a missions trip in Kentucky with 10 students, five leaders in total, with Samaritan's Purse, and I'm really excited about this trip. These are 10 students that are from our youth group that are really excited to go. We just had a meeting with them uh, this past week. None of them have been on a missions trip before, and it's, and it's just going to be life-changing. So I wanted to invite you um, to be praying with us here as we are still preparing, still raising support. Um, for one, pray for that. Pray that we would be able to finish our financial support, but then also pray for these students for safety, but then also just that it would be a really good experience for them as they serve the Lord in this way with Samaritan's Purse. Um, what Samaritan's Purse does is they go in places that have been devastated by a natural disaster. And this one town in Kentucky called Mayfield, you can actually go and look at it yourself and Google it and uh, Google Maps, and you can look at like the satellite view. And I was like looking around and like trying to find stuff to do. I'm like, oh, there's a Domino's pizza. And I zoom in, it's like, it's a vacant lot. It's still there on the map. It says Domino's is there, but it's gone. And that's what this town has experienced and has looked like for the past two years. And so Samaritan's Purse is still there. They are still rebuilding homes and rebuilding the structure and doing it all in Jesus' name, which is awesome. So I'm glad to be a part of that, happy to be a part of that. But again, please be praying with us as we prepare. Now for Father's Day, as you've seen, I titled this message, The Words of a Father. And we are going to touch on some topics that fathers do have an experience, but we also are going to be talking to all of us here today. So this isn't a Father's Day specific message. It just happened to land. Isn't that funny how that happens? It just happened to land on a day. We're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But let's look at the words of a father for a moment, okay? Fathers have this interesting opportunity to share words of wisdom and guidance to their children. But there's something odd that just happens in the mind of a father. And, and those of you who are fathers, you experience this. But when your kid comes up to you and declares, I'm hungry, instead of thinking, well, let's go to the pantry and find something for you to eat, what do you do? You go, hi, hungry, I'm dad. Right? You come up with these fun things. If someone asks you, one of your kids asks you for money, you declare to them a very solemn truth that they need to know in their lives that money doesn't grow on trees. That's an important thing to learn. They can't just go out to their local tree and just pick up some money. No, they come into you. <laughs> There's other sayings that they say, the early bird gets the worm, because that's what they want to hear rolling out of bed. That is good. They fall down, they skin their knee. What? It builds character, right? There's a lot of these things that dads, we say, like, hey, don't make that face. It'll get stuck that way. You know, maybe you've been guilty of saying one or two of these things yourself, or when you're teaching your son or daughter to drive, which I'm scared to death of because my kids have this little battery-powered Jeep. Yeah, they've run into a couple things. Thankfully, nobody, but like a couple things. No, your other right, <laughs> you know, that one. 
Um, my dad had a couple sayings, but one of my favorites was typically when my brother and I or my sister were doing something stupid and we got hurt. Okay, so we're there and we're like, ouch, it hurts. And he would get down to our level and he would come and put his arm around us and say, hey, Dan, you know what? I'm like, what? I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> my dad doesn't say that as much anymore, which I'm thankful for, which means either I'm not doing as much stupid stuff or he's kind of learned that that doesn't um, you know, help in any way, shape, or form. But it's just a fun way to relieve you know, the tension that's in the room. But as dads, we have these opportunities to be able to speak these words, and, and some are funny, but some are just powerful and meaningful. And here, what we're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, so if you're not there already, I encourage you to turn there. It's in page 953 in your pew Bible there in front of you. But today's sermon is titled, The Words of a Father. And the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, he is indeed the, the father to this church. And he's writing to these children that are his in the Lord, and he's doing so because they are loved. He loves them, but they are lost. They, they've, they've messed up. And the title of this, this whole chapter, and this whole book is, we've, in 1 Corinthians, we've, we've entitled Messy, Beautiful Church. And indeed, it is messy, but it is going to become beautiful out of this mess. And so... Indeed, this is a father who's speaking, and this is his words. And now before we dive in, I would like to open up in a word of prayer to bless this time as we seek God's face and we hear from his word. God, I pray that as we walk into your word today, Lord, that as we walk out of this building, Lord, your word would stick with us. Your word would stay on our hearts. And Lord, that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, that we would be given the opportunity to become faithful followers of you. So God, I pray today that as we look in your word, may you bless the hearing of it, reading of it, and your studying of it. And may we live differently because of you. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 7, for starters. This is what Paul says. He says, this is how one should regard us. He's talking about Paul himself and Apollos. He says, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will be disclosed the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to, do, to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So as we break down this passage, these seven verses here, this is what we see. We see an instruction from a father to these children to be a faithful servant. Be a faithful servant. 
Paul says this is how you should view us, as even your, your spiritual fathers. You should view us as a servant, not of you, but of the Lord. In verse 2, he explains, moreover, it is required that stewards, that they should be found faithful. Now, as we look at what a steward is and a servant is, servants have one job, one job, faithfulness. Tony Evans says in one of his commentaries, he says that a steward is not an owner, but one who manages his owner's possessions. So if we are stewards of God, then we are stewarding God's possessions. And then he also says stewards are expected to protect and to expand the possessions of their master. I taught this in youth group, and uh, this is something that I like to do, is, is I like to attach physical symbols to these words to help us remember. So, protect, as a steward, put your fists up like this, okay? You can also, like, stand behind and protect like that if you don't want to do that. But I think of protecting like, I'm going to fight for what I have been given, to protect it from the enemy. But then also to expand, was to, like, go with arms like this. All right, so let's do this together. Protect. Don't hit anybody in front of you, please, okay? That's not what I'm teaching here, okay? Now don't expand. That is the idea that he is giving here. Paul is giving here. We are stewards, and if you are in Christ, he's going to get to this. You are stewards as well, to protect and expand the kingdom of God. And this isn't anything new, because Jesus told a parable Okay, which is a fictional story, earthly story, that has a spiritual meaning and application. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says that there's this, this master who's going away on a journey, and he gives, his, he gives his servants, he gives them talents, which is a measure of money. To one he gives five, to another he gives two, to another he gives one. Now in those moments, he goes away for an extended period of time, he comes back. And in so doing, they bring back what they were stewarding, and how they have protected and expanded it. And this is what he says to those who protected and expanded what they were given. In Matthew 25, verse 23 says, His master said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. See, Paul wants something to be very clear about his position and their position is that we are simple servants of Jesus. We have one job, to be faithful. And the question comes up then, what has God given you to be faithful with? What has he given you to be faithful with? And sometimes we go, well, I haven't been given a lot. I don't have a pastor position, or I don't have this position, or I don't have this or that. Notice what it says. It, what he would have been faithful in the little, I have make you faithful over much. The interesting thing is it didn't matter which person it was, the servant, the person who got five talents or the person who got two talents. Verse 21 and 23 are the same. Is that if you were faithful in little, then you were rewarded for that faithfulness. So I challenge you this week to make a list of things that God has given you to be faithful with. What is that? What does it look like? We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that in just a moment. But we have this wrong idea of servants, don't we? Servants are pushovers. Servants are the bottom of the barrel. But look at what Paul says in verse 3. He says this. He says this. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. 
I don't know. I look at that verse, and this is one that really encouraged me this week. To look at this and go, if I am a faithful servant of the master, of the king of kings, then why am I worrying what somebody else thinks of me? Why am I worrying about how they are judged? It is Jesus who judges me. That is Paul's expectation here. And he says, servants, stay in their lane. Have you ever gotten into, um, of course you have, if you've driven in any PA and the highways get, you know, backed up, jumbled up, and it starts to, you know, get really tense. Everything's driving really slow. You hit a traffic jam. But you see them in the rearview mirror. And you know who I'm talking about. The lane leapers. As soon as that, your other lane, the other lane starts going just a little bit faster, that car decides, hey, I have to jump in that lane, right? And my anxiety starts going through the roof a little bit because then my lane starts to go, and then I see them go, and it's like all these people, they're just unsatisfied with whichever lane they're in. So if that's you, I'm sorry, okay? You, you bug me, but that's fine. For this illustration, it makes sense, okay? But they're just unsatisfied with the lane they're in. They think they can get ahead just a little bit faster and stuff like that and get around and cause accidents and, you know, road rage and everything else. But, and then the funny thing is, is you, you see them up ahead, and they're only like three or four cars ahead of you when you get out of the, the construction. It's kind of funny. But, like, you did all that work to, like, go in and out, but you didn't really get that far ahead. But these people in Corinth, they were the lane leapers. They weren't content to be in the lane that they have been given, the lane of being a servant. They wanted to be the master. They wanted to get ahead. And you saw that in their pursuit of wisdom in the, in the prior chapters that we've been talking about. But they needed to remember that their number one role was to be faithful and not to become these judges over other people and to, to become a faulty judge. Because Jesus is the perfect judge. Paul brings that up. And he is also the perfect rewarder of those who are faithful. And because Jesus is our master, then we can have that confidence too. But also, this is what he says in verse 6, we can have a humility. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. See, this was a problem that they were having. They were getting arrogant. They were getting puffed up in pride. They were jumping lanes. And in so doing, they were missing out on the opportunity to be faithful with what God has given them. But I also see here that Paul and Apollos were willing to become and to continue to show being a servant so that the Corinthian church could model them, to model Jesus Christ. Which just brings me to our one thing for today. The, the outlier of this whole section is this, is that we must be a faithful model to what we intend to mold. We must be a faithful model of what we intend to mold. Jesus is the perfect example of this. In the night before he was to be betrayed and he would die on the cross for our sins, what did he do? He gathered his disciples together. And the first thing he does is he takes out his outer robe, right? He puts on servant's clothes, and he bends down and he washes the feet of his disciples. And culturally, this is the most backwards thing ever even thought of. Because the person who does the feet washing 
in that culture is the lowest of low servants. But they didn't have one of those. And Jesus became that. And then after he washed their feet, he said, go and do as I have done to you. So as as Christians, we're supposed to wash people's feet? No, the picture is there that are you willing to be a servant? Are you willing to be humble and let God exalt you? We must be faithful to model what we intend to mold. Jesus was faithful to model for us, and we have been molded by that faithfulness, by that servant heart. It's important to Jesus. It should be important to us as well. And that's what Paul's communicating here. But he also says this, that if you have this servant heart like Jesus, the world will view you to be a foolish servant. Look with me to verses 8 through 13. He says, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us as apostles as last of all, like the men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sakes, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but us in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Paul gets right into it. He just goes right and says, listen, your point of view of who you are in Christ." He says this in verse 8. He says, you are, you are, your point of view, your POV, okay, is, is arrogant. You view yourself, he says, look at verse 8. He says, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become like kings. Were they really kings? No, but they were pursuing getting in that lane of trying to become the master, trying to become the kings, trying to be respected, trying to become rich, and leaving behind the lane of being a servant. And Paul's point here to the Corinthian church, he does so in almost like a sarcastic, fatherly way, is look at the world's point of view of us as apostles. How does it match up with your view of yourself? And he goes down through the list and he says in verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Verse 13, we have become and are still like the scum of the world the refuse of all things. And Paul's point here is that the world's perspective of a Christian is polar opposite to the way you are viewing yourselves. So sometimes we have these fleshly ideas that if we're good with God, then we will have all of these things, that this is how life will go, that life will go easy, that we will be blessed in physical and human ways. Now that just because you're, You are blessed in that way doesn't mean that it's anything bad. But sometimes we have these ideas that if we don't have the comfort, or if we don't have that idea of of the way life should be, that that God isn't for us, that God doesn't love us. But that doesn't change the promises of God. 
And I also want to draw us back to what Jesus Christ said to his disciples in John 15, 20. He says this, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, we listen to that verse and go, ouch, okay, this is rough. They persecuted Jesus pretty hardcore. That means I need to understand that. But it's kind of like a coin. You have the one side, and then you have the flip side. And it's the same deal, because Jesus also said this about those who were persecuted. Look at Matthew 5, 11, and 12. He said, blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then Paul also says in Romans 8.18, which was already read earlier here this morning before that last song, he says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we read down through this list and we see all of the things that Paul and Apollos have gone through, all the suffering and the hardship. And we see how they flip that, how they don't, they don't worry themselves with the perspective of the world. Because they see the perspective of God. They see the blessing, the other side of that coin that comes from being a servant follower of Jesus. Growing up, um, for a time in my life, my dad was a fly fisherman. Not just as a hobby, but that actually was his job. So I got to go fishing once with him many a times. But I can remember going fishing with him, and the first time he handed me a pair of polarized sunglasses. For those of you who don't fish, this is, this is a game-changing device, right? Because they just look like regular sunglasses. However, they have an amazing perspective change on the reality of a stream or a lake or a river. Because on this side, you see on uh, your left, my right, you'll see a stream without polarized sunglasses. The reflection of, of the water and, and of the sky comes up. You can't see through the water. But as soon as you put on the polarized sunglasses, fish everywhere. And it's kind of fun just to do like the, the back and forth, you know, to flip your sunglasses, your polarized sunglasses back and forth. And I have to admit, when my dad first handed me these sunglasses, I'm like, this isn't really the style that I like, you know? Like, and I was kind of embarrassed to wear them. And on top of it, because it had like one of those like um, necklace things off the back, you know, so I don't lose them. Like, dad, what are you saying about me, huh? Like, I mean, okay. But it was because of the value of those sunglasses and, and what they gave to me. And as I, as I used them, and as I was able to catch fish, because I was able to actually see where they were at, like, the perspective that it gave me, I, I didn't care that I didn't look the way I wanted to look. I didn't care that, yeah, here's me with a steel head because, and wearing those polarized sunglasses. I wore them all the time because I realized that humbling myself and having the proper perspective gave me such a privilege, such an ability. God has given us his word, right? a worldview, a biblical worldview for us to look through the lens of Scripture. And, it's, and this is what Paul is saying to the church, is saying that this perspective, it far outseeds that perspective of the world that it has on you. This perspective of having God's word in your life for every situation in life gives you the opportunity 
to respond differently to how they treat you. To respond with gentleness and kindness when you are persecuted. Because there is a value that we see that they do not. See, the world should look us as fools. They should look at us as scum. But we can look past their thoughts and their view of us because we look at Jesus. Jesus, who did the most foolish thing anyone should ever do, die for an enemy. Who are we? We have sinned against a holy and righteous God. We are enemy of God. And because of Jesus, he came perfect and died on a cross for the sins of his enemies. Why? John chapter 1, verse 12 says it really well. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God doesn't want us as enemies. God wants us as family. So yes, the world may look at you as foolish, but God looks at you as family. If we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our life, the forgiver of our sins, then we have this right. To be children of God. To have a heavenly Father who loves us. And this is the opportunity that we have. Yes, we look foolish to the world, but I would, be, I would much rather be foolish to the world, right, than be foolish to God. I would much rather not be considered family to the world than to be a fool to God. So thus far we have learned to be a faithful servant, to be a foolish servant, and now we're going to finish up by being a fatherly servant. Look at verses 14 to 21. It says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then to be imitators of me. That is why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in the church, in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God is not, does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with Love and a spirit of gentleness. Can you just hear a fatherly tone just coming out of him in this moment as he's wrapping up chapter 4 here? And as he's trying to get their attention before he steps into chapter 5 and chapter 6, which are going to be very pointed and very heavy, as a father should, address a problem, a sin issue in, in somebody's life. But here we see Paul saying, I'm not trying to rub this in your face that I'm better than you or any of that, but I'm, I want to warn you. That's what admonish means. I admonish you. That's what a fatherly servant does. In the NIV, it says, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. I have four dear children, 
And um, two of them girls, two of them boys, and I realized this after the fact, and named the boys Noah and Nathan, two names that begin with the letter N. And I found that significant because I say no a lot to them. And it's so much easier to say no to a name that begins with N. No, Noah. Noah, no. No, no, nay, nay, which is what we call Nathan. No, no, nay, nay, which unfortunately that might be what they think their name is. No, no, nay, nay is, that, is my name. Um, but a father says no. If a child is doing something that is going to hurt them, harm them, or something that is against the, the character and the nature that you're trying to bring them up in, you say no. Well, father doesn't. But I think in here we see that fathers say more than no. In verse 15, he talks about you have many guides, but you don't have many fathers. You have many people that tell you no, that tell you yes, that point you a direction to go this way or that. But this is what he says. He says, I urge you, imitate me. I urge you, imitate me. And there's a special difference here between guides and fathers. Paul is claiming to be the spiritual father to this church because he brought them the gospel. They received it. They became children of God. Because of that, he is their earthly spiritual father. And he's, as such, he's saying, imitate me. He also says this again in, later on in, in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is important because as parents, why do we repeat ourselves? Because we like to hear our own voice? No, because it's important. Right? Or they weren't listening. Hopefully it's the latter two. <laughs> but we repeat ourselves because it's important. Or maybe they didn't get it before. And as children of God, we need to have spiritual fathers in our lives who don't just say no and yes, but are willing to step out of what they are doing to come alongside of us, hand in hand, foot in foot, don't even know what that means, but you understand, next to each other, working together, a father comes and shows a child how they are to respond, why they are to respond, and live and act and do. And it's not enough for a father just to say, I'm dad, do as I say. This is the heart of Paul. In reality check, some of us say, well, I can't really be a fatherly figure to other people because I'm not perfect. You know, I don't have all everything, you know, all my ducks in a row, so to speak. Can I just reality check? Look around the room. Ain't nobody perfect. Right? Jesus is perfect. Outside of that, humanity is all not perfect. So if that's the case, then who can be a fatherly figure? Who can be a fatherly servant? He says it in that 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, as I am of Christ. Be imitator of me as I am of Christ. You're not looking for somebody perfect to follow. You're looking for somebody who is pursuing Christ. And if you can say, I am pursuing Christ with all that I am, all that I have, with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you can be that person to somebody else. Then you can say, follow me. We need a lot more fathers in our world, don't we? We need a lot more Christian fatherly examples to say, come and follow me. And Paul goes on to say, I sent you a model. 
which is Timothy. A living, breathing, faithful, he's not perfect, child of God, to model what Paul was modeled to him. So we have two questions here. Who are you following? Who are you modeling, looking up to? Who are you modeling and living your life after here on earth? But then also look around and go, who is following you? Who are you molding? Let's go back to that one thing. We must faithfully mold what we intend, model what we intend to mold. And we can do that by what has God's word told us to do? Let us do it. And vice versa. If God's word tells us not to do something, then don't do it. Look around and go, who has God placed within my my circle of influence that I can serve, that I can help, that I can encourage? Am I willing to get down off of my high horse to come alongside them and show them what it's like to be a follower of Christ? What gifts have God given you to use and use them? And he finishes up with this last statement. He says, I am coming back. And Paul advises them to take this letter seriously and Timothy's example seriously because he says he's coming back with one of two things, a rod (laughs) or words of love and encouragement. Now, I'm not implying that Paul is coming to beat up a church physically, but as a spiritual father, he is coming in love to do what is necessary because of his love for the church, to discipline them, exhort them, to encourage them. Paul is a faithful, fatherly servant, somebody who takes this position seriously. But I asked the question this past week of myself, what if he didn't? What if he didn't do this? What if he wasn't willing to deal with the garbage that he's about to unfold? And part of me started thinking about this, and I wanted to share it with you. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, like learning about your heritage, your lineage, and I was actually just talking to somebody else about this earlier. How many of you have done the like, DNA test and like, go back and find your lineage, stuff like that? Okay, a few of you, right. We invest money, and I think if we were given the free opportunity to figure out, hey, what, what country did I come from? Or where does my last name come from? Or you know, all of this, we, we, or am I related to George Washington? You know, we, we want to go back and try and find some of these history bits, right? Because we all came from other parents and fathers and mothers. And our story goes beyond even what we know here. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if we could trace our spiritual genealogy? Those of you who have Christ in your life, somebody was influential in sharing Christ with you to the point where you received Christ. And 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 I stopped and I was wondering, I'm like, what it would be like to just trace that back? Where, where would that lead? You know, you got to think about some of these maybe amazing stories that it was just like somebody passing by, somebody on a train or a ship or just walking on a path and they're sharing Christ with just complete strangers and then that person's accept Christ. And I was just like, where would it lead? How far would, could we trace it back? Maybe it was from somebody from this church, from Corinth. Maybe a member from Corinth is part of our salvation story. But then I started thinking, what if Paul wasn't faithful with Corinth as a fatherly figure? What if he gave up because it got too hard? What if he didn't write the letter that we're reading right now today? 
What if he didn't encourage them to get healthy, to grow up spiritually? What if they never changed? But Paul was faithful. And what I'm getting at, and I hope what I think this illustration communicates here, is that faithful followers of Christ, they produce faithful followers who produce more faithful followers. And if there is a healthy church that Paul is, 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 is encouraging the Corinthians to be, the benefit of that is, is just unknown. The faithfulness that we have the opportunity to be a part of, we don't know what it will produce five years from now, right? We don't know what the faithfulness that we have on these, even the littlest of things, what it will produce 10 years from now. Guys, what about 100 years from now? What if we find out that something we did and we thought was so insignificant had a huge part to play in hundreds of people's lives? We don't know that. But Paul's encouraging them, be faithful and mold what you intend. Model what you intend to mold. All right, so as we wrap up, here's three conclusions that we can take out of this room, take into our lives today that I, that I see. As we be a faithful servant, we need to stay in our lane. Be faithful to be a servant and not a faulty judge. We have to be quick not to elevate our ideas above somebody else and, and judge them based upon that, but rather understand that God is the faithful judge. So whether you're a dad, a mom, a grandparent, a teenager, a child, a single adult, husband, wife, employee, employer, whatever it may be, be a faithful child of God. Next is to polarize your point of view. Make sure you have those, those, those sunglasses that allow you to see into the water, the, the biblical worldview. No matter what other people say of you, no matter what they, they talk about you behind their back, no matter what they say bluntly to your face for that matter, keep God's perspective the one that's in front of you because then you are able to see through the reflection on the water and you're able to see where the true fish are, where to cast your line, where to invest your time. Recognize that God's reward cannot be compared to the world's. And lastly, as a fatherly servant, I want to invite you, invite others to imitate your life. Please, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, look around and show them what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian, to be somebody who is not perfect but depends upon the grace of God every single day. And I encourage you that it's not about being perfect. It's about pursuing Christ. And the other thing is to pray for faithfulness to the next generation. So let us pray right now. Let's pray that the faithfulness of God's word being shared today in our hearts, acted upon, will grow and change us to his likeness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the praise team up. But let us pray. God, I want to thank you for today, and I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the faithfulness of Paul, who learned this faithfulness from none other than Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that as we model Jesus Christ in other people's lives, that we would also model it to those around us. Whether we're a father in here today, 
and feel discouraged by all the weight of the culture and of the world and maybe of the home, of, of the expectation, God. It's in being faithful in the little things. So God, I pray that you would just encourage us today, no matter where we're at, no matter how we feel, Lord, that we would have the proper perspective that we are your children first and that you love us so very much. So God, I pray that we would just live in that and own that and live different because of that. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.